Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for my friend out there, Seth, Seth Robinson. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well, doing doing well. Finally getting a little bit back into the groove. Yeah. You know, um, post-holidays and last time we did Volley was our new, you know, fresh off the new year. Um, I think I'm finally getting back into a little normalcy, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I am too. You look, uh, you look nice and warm. You got like the, you know, the sleeveless blouse on. I, I, I know it's not <laughs> that warm where you are. I, I feel. Yeah, warm. it, so it isn't. But I've got to mix it up. I've got to mix it up. Yeah. I don't know if you watch Jeopardy, but the same champion has been on Jeopardy. There is a point to this story. Um, for she's like the she's she's over a million dollars. She's been and she's running out of outfits. And so I I, I and I'm I'm thinking I can't complain because she has to do this every single week. And I, I'm pulling for Amy to come up with something new every. So today I said um, I'm gonna veer from the winter garb and put something else on. So there you go. There you yeah, go. I, have the, I, I have the heat cranked. Yeah, and it's, it's good for the the mental state too to to not be like always bundling up and feeling like we're in the dead of winter. So, yeah. so good for you. That's, yeah. Uh, well, the minute this this minute this is over, I'll be back in the uh, in the sweater. But you know, we'll just pretend. We'll pretend. All right. Sure. <laughs> so today uh, we are going to talk about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, which is a big topic for CompTIA. We've been um, we've been covering this. It's a big topic for for the industry uh, itself. It's a big topic for I think all of business right now is trying to um, make this a cornerstone of their culture and the way they hire. And we want to talk a little bit today about some data that we collected uh, last year, not that many months ago. Uh, from our friends in the channel, in the channel ecosystem, uh, so the tech industry. And we asked them a whole series of questions about DE&I, which I will refer to it to for the rest of uh, this podcast so I don't have to stumble over my tongue. Um, and we wanted to get a sense of where they're at with this topic, you know, what they're doing within their own organizations, what some of the actions they've taken, if, not, if they have, and what some of the challenges are. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today, Seth. Sound yeah. good? Yeah, sounds good. I, I was wondering as we get started, and you were kind of setting up the topic there. Like you're, you're right. This this is a big topic for almost every business, yep. and it seems to be a particular focus within technology, which I, I I think has traditionally struggled with this a little bit more than maybe business at large. And I was yep. wondering, since we're going to be focusing on the channel you know, where where would you place the channel on that spectrum? Do you think that they, you know, they're, they're obviously, we're talking about technology firms, um, but but in a lot of ways, many of these these firms um, might might not be hardcore technology. You know, the, 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 we've got vendors of technology, but a lot of the managed solution providers might, might skew a little closer to like normal business. Do you see them as kind of, uh, you know, being maybe in, in between uh, the, the the business at large and and the hardcore technology people in terms of you know struggling with this issue. Yeah, I mean, I think the the number one thing to point out is that the um, the vast majority, almost all channel companies, are very small businesses. So they're SMBs. Um, so when you think sometimes when you think about an initiative like DE and I. Uh, within an organization, you think about an enterprise-sized company or a large corporation, 
that is able to hire people that are devoted a diversity officer and and they are pu- they are pulling candidates from a you know huge range of geographies uh, to hire them they may have subsidiaries and other offices when we're talking about the channel it typically is one you know one storefront for many of these companies and so they have maybe 10 employees so when you talk about having a diverse workplace uh, what is that? Maybe one in 10 is a woman or two in 10 is somebody from uh, a different race or ethnicity than the average white male. No offense, yeah. Seth. Yeah, no, no. Um, and that, that, that is, I think, the bigger challenge for a lot of channel companies. So sometimes, and I've spoken to many who really feel passionately about this issue, but then also have struggles within their, just the basic um, structure of their organization is is such that um, it's not quite the, um, they can't put in quite the effort with a very small company uh, as you could, like I said, with a large corporation where it can be a devoted line item within within what you do. You can have devoted headcount to it um, and make it something that is systemic within your, your company. Um, that's a lot harder to do when you've got six employees. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's, that's great. I think that's a great point because I think we, we, you know, even the way that I teed it up, you know, whether we're talking about big business or technology or the channel, we're kind of talking about an aggregate of a lot of companies. And so if you are a small company, you know, you're, you're contributing to that aggregate picture, but what can you actually, you know, do as an, as an individual company and, um, and, and maybe the actions that you would take as, as a small company are something a little bit different than a medium-sized company would take. It's not necessarily, you know, hiring practices or whatever because you're not hiring that many people, but there maybe there are other things that you can do that mm-hmm. end up contributing to a more diverse mix across the broader ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll point out a few of the things that came from the study. I mean, one the, the number one thing is, is there's quite a bit of awareness. So regardless of this small company, large company discussion we're having, uh, channel firms are very much aware um, that this is an issue and a topic um, that needs to be thought about. And so most of these firms say that they are facilitating conversations with their staff, whether that's three people, 10 people, 50 people or more. Um, and, you know, I want to make sure that we make a point that there are large channel firms out there as well. There are companies that have hundreds of employees, um, certainly. And so the awareness is there. Uh, most of the channel firms uh, feel very strongly that the um, the DEI initiatives that they may undertake or even the discussion itself needs to come from the, a top-down approach. So it needs to be something that the CEO, the owner, the president um, makes a priority within the organization. So, you know, I'll give the, the channel a lot of props because they are, this is, this is top of mind for many companies. What they do about it, like you said, Seth, um, may not be more traditional in terms of hiring a dedicated diversity officer or, um, or changing their recruiting and, and hiring tactics. Although they are doing a lot of those things, um, as much as they can. Uh, one thing I will point out, and this is um, very unique, I think, to the channel, is that, and it's something that smaller companies can do, is they can focus in on the suppliers and vendors that they do work with who happen to be larger than them. And they can, and they are, according to the, to the data that we collected, um, many of these companies are making sure they're working with providers and vendors who take DEI seriously. 
um, who may uh, are maybe women or minority owned businesses themselves. So if the little guy, the little channel company can't necessarily move the needle too much within the makeup or composition of their own workforce, they can have an influence by making good decisions about the types of larger companies they choose to work with in the ecosystem. That's just one example. Yeah, I think I think it's a great one. There's actually there's a lot to unpack there in what you were just saying. And and when I was looking through the data and looking through your summary of the data, I was actually thinking a lot about cybersecurity, that it, it feels the same where with with cybersecurity or with DEI, everyone says it's important. No one knows yeah. quite what to do about it. And I, I think with cybersecurity, it's actually an easier problem because you can bring in an expert. You can bring in an expert and say, you know, here are the best practices, here are the, the current threats, here's what you should be doing. I think with DEI. I, I think I, you know there there maybe aren't a, a full list of best practices that are that are necessarily moving the needle here, especially when we're talking about these small companies. I mean, I think we can talk about the discussions that you would have within your company or, or changing your hiring practices and and trying to become a lot more aware about microaggressions or how you treat people. Um, yeah. But if you're a very small company, that may have a very minimal impact. But I, I think that last point that you brought up was one of the ones that kind of jumped off the page to me as well, that if you are working with vendors, distributors, if you're working with partners and you're asking these questions and you're saying, you know, this is the type of company that I want to work with, I, I think that begins to have a huge statement. And I feel like that's something that we haven't really talked about as much. I think we've been so focused on internal operations and the types of education that you should give your workforce. and the places that you should look when you're hiring. And those are all good things and, and we can continue to do those things. But for a lot of these companies that um, that that may not be one of, you know, the, the most helpful thing that they can do based right. on their makeup. And I, I think this is beginning to think outside the box a little bit and give them, you know, a few more options of, of what they can do. Yeah, I think it is, um, you know, 25%. So a full quarter of our respondents said that they, um, you know, that is a litmus test, honestly, and, and for working with certain suppliers and vendors. Um, you may or may not agree with that. And there are a lot of small channel firms that may say, hey, that's what we would like to do. But at the end of the day, we need to work with somebody who's going to help us with our bottom line. And I understand financial constraints. And we can talk about the challenges that companies face in terms of trying to make good on all the good intentions that they have with DEI. There's certainly some hurdles uh, that companies um, need to get over. But um, we have not discussed, you know, the working with other providers and the ways, the, the, the alternative ways that smaller companies that may not be able to have such an impact on their own internal operations, as you said, may be able to um, put a stamp on things externally. Um, and, and I think that was one of the most heartening data points that I took away um, from what we collected last year. And we'll, we'll, we're going to track it again this year. I should make note of that, that we are polishing up uh, this particular um, questionnaire instrument and we will be fielding it again this year. Um, we're actually going to take it global this year. So we'll get some flavor from some of our, uh, some of our friends who are in countries uh, other than the United States and see where things are at. And um, that should be some interesting data that we'll be exploring a little bit later in the year. Um, one of the things, though, I wanted to talk about next is a little pivot is, you know, why do this? You know, other than it being the right thing to do, which is the first box everybody checks is saying, you know, of course, we should have try to, you know, try to achieve uh, a diverse uh, workforce composition because it is the right thing to do. OK, that's the feel good thing. And, and it's true. 
But um, if you are a business owner, one of the other things you really need to consider is, and there are lots of um, you know data points out there, there's research done on this. This is not just um, anecdotal evidence, but having a more diverse workforce, whether that's more women, whether that's more people of different races, ethnicities, religions, sexual orientation, the, you know what diverse means we could debate forever, but there's a long laundry list, um, has been shown to increase it, it's, you know, the business benefits. Um, greater innovation because you're bringing in ideas from corners that you not, wouldn't normally have in your organization previously. People tend to hire others that remind them of themselves. That is a that is a, a fact. It's a psychological mm -hmm. fact. So, if the tech industry is obviously very dominated by white men and white men interviewing other white men of similar socioeconomic backgrounds, they automatically have something to talk about, and 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 it. This kind of um, continues uh, a chain of hiring patterns and recruitment patterns that are hard to get out of. Um, and so for companies that do decide to look elsewhere and have brought people that might not reflect their experience in life into their organizations, they are finding that these people are bringing in all these ideas and new ways to look at this, you know, better mousetrap or whatever you uh, metaphor you want to use, finding that this has definitely worked to benefit the business from a business perspective, not just from a we're doing a good thing culturally perspective. And I think that's important to note. So if you're on the fence right now, like, do I need to make this a priority? Why? Is it just because I'm, I want to be a good corporate citizen? Um, you really can also make the case that this is good for your business. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, we've been talking about that for a little while. I think we've seen, you know, anecdotal or, or, or data points that, that kind of are showing that. And yeah, and to me, this starts to get into a, a lot of the complication with it. Uh, that that we we see people saying that when I when I brought in new people with new ideas, that helped us become a better business. And so what I imagine happened is you know some other business says, oh, I want to bring in new people too, but they're they're not necessarily changing their culture. They're not necessarily changing what they define as quote unquote the best candidate. So they're 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 maybe looking for people from different backgrounds or or, or people of you know different genders and, and trying to in you know change their ratios a little bit, but they're not changing some of the underlying behavior and some of the underlying criteria that they have for business. And you know, again, this is this is you know an area where I, I much prefer for you know other people to kind of speak to you know their experiences and the things that they think you know would be good for business. Um, but I I feel like with this and with what we were just talking about when you're when you're going to suppliers or vendors and asking them questions, I almost feel like if there's not some level of discomfort in, in the way that you're trying to pursue these initiatives. Yeah. then you might want to take another look at it because if you feel comfortable if you feel like okay i am now looking for new candidates in my hiring practices and it feels natural and you're just you're trying to make sure that you're checking the box in a certain way then again you, you might not be changing the underlying behavior you know enough uh, and you might not be building that culture of inclusion um not that you have to tear everything up and throw the baby out with the bathwater, but i i think that if you really are trying to change your idea of what the best candidate looks like or what an inclusive culture looks like, it's not going to feel very much like what you've been doing in the past. Uh, and if you're if you're asking questions of these suppliers and these partners and these vendors, there might be a few that you don't 
do business with and, and they might be ones that you would really like to do business yeah. with but if they're not you know uh meeting the criteria that you're setting for yourself then you have to walk away from that and so i, I think there's going to be a little discomfort here for the people that have you know been traditionally running these businesses and doing things in the way that they see is right and they they've had a lot of success and I, if you want to do something different now i think you're gonna have to change yeah, I think you're touching upon the you know the the biggest um, conundrum with this. It, it's it, it is difficult for companies. Um, I personally have spoken to company owners at you know at events who have come up to me and said after I've spoken about this particular topic and said, hey, you know, I run a channel firm right now. You know, we are growing leaps and bounds. Um, you know, we've got 25 employees. You know, uh, but if you asked me, do I have a diverse workforce? I, I don't, you know, um, and and I but I do feel like I've got the best candidates, best people in the jobs right now because we're doing really well. You know, I want to be on the right side of history here whatever. But how do I do that? And I think this is really challenging um, for many. And I think to your point, it, it, it it becomes taking a little bit of a leap off a cliff, but also making a commitment to we're going to do things differently. And if that means we take two steps forward and one step back or, um, you know, we see some regression in the company for a little while or whatever it is, it's a it's a longer process than just flipping a switch overnight. And you have to see where everything you know shakes out as you do it. Um, and I think to your point, it's a lot more than just the, the hiring and recruitment part of this, but it's also what does your company look like um, once the person is in place or the people are in place? So, you know, do you have the inclusivity piece of this down um, and making people feel comfortable within the culture of your organization? So there's a lot of retraining that has to go on to your existing staff and let them know that, hey, this is what we are envisioning and what we're going to try to do. So you know, let's make all of, you know, the culture as a whole inclusive to newer people that we're bringing in. So it can't just be, you know, we've got these three new employees without any discussion with the 10 that are already there about trying to bring people in. And, you know, one of the things that I noted from the study is it's it's probably the number one thing that companies who are trying to be more inclusive with their workforce have said is critical is having some metrics in place to measure how well you're doing um, to, you know, take, you know, measure your attrition rates. You know, are you really doing a good job of bringing new candidates in that, you know, pro you know, provide some diversity to your workforce, but are they leaving in a year? Cause they're not, not comfortable within your organization. That's a problem. That's a fail right there. Um, and having, you know, so having those kinds of metrics and having particular goals, asking the basic question, we talk about this all the time in other areas of business, why are we doing this, you know, and, you know, what do we hope to achieve with this, and then measuring it. Um, so, uh, you know, all of those best practices that you apply to other types of um, initiatives, projects, tactics that you employ within your organization apply here as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we've, we've talked for a little while about the way that companies are starting to apply metrics to some of these feel good things like diversity or yep. um, green operations. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how companies start handling that, you know, which metrics they choose, um, how they ensure that those metrics are given the same priority as the traditional metrics, you know, and, yep. and the company doesn't just say, well, you know, we missed our diversity metrics, but we hit all the revenue goals. So we're doing okay. Um, I, I think that would be, you know, the opposite of what we're looking for here. 
Um, but it, it, it will be interesting to see companies start to try to figure out which metrics are we even talking about, which ones are important, you know, especially again for these smaller ones that that maybe, you know, can't set a metric around hiring or the composition of the workforce, you know, and something that they can change overnight. What what would those metrics be and what does it look like? And I think one of the the bigger challenges that you identified in the data there was that that companies that are wanting to try to change their culture or do the right thing here that they're struggling a little bit to find, you know, support, content, guidance, education, yeah. those types of things. I, you know, I think there are, you know, a, a lot of a lot of options out there, but maybe not as much that's targeted, you know, specifically at their business or the types of things that they're dealing with. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of you can read as many Harvard Business Review or articles or McKinsey reports as you want, but for the channel, some practical advice, you know, I would say I'm going to give a little shout out to CompTIA. You know, we have communities around this and we do a lot of work in this area. So you as a channel firm, if you're looking for some guidance, um, you know, give us a shout because, there, you know, we have plenty of very smart people who are working on uh, this topic, both, you know, employees of CompTIA, but also our communities of people who are doing this well in the channel today and in the overall tech industry. Um, who can provide some advice. Um, you know, hopefully we get to a point where this like isn't a topic. It's what I always say about when, uh, you know, women's only groups in, in, in technology. I'm one of the outliers who's sort of a fan of, I wish we didn't have to have this. And I hope that, you know, eventually this is not something that we have to, um, that it, you know, it's unconscious. It's just the way that we hire and the way our workforces look and um, we don't think about it. But right now I think, we are in a kind of a, a course correction part of our, our history um, with uh, diversity. And um, I think it's going to be a topic that we're going to be discussing for, for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. I, it'll be, be really interesting to see the new data that you're going to collect this year, you know, especially <laughs> yeah. since it's a little more international, global, you know, sort of see, give it, give us a few more uh, places to compare and, and see. Right you know, where, where there might be differences or similarities or, or if everyone's just struggling with this uh, the same way. Yeah, it should be interesting because, you know, there's certainly, um, I'm thinking we do, you know, we do global uh, research in other studies and sometimes the differences aren't that stark, but with diversity because of just the, you know, makeup and composition of different populations in different countries, it'll be interesting to see. I think um, I personally am looking forward to uh, what it's going to tell us. And we may learn some lessons from other parts of the country here in the United States that are doing a better job than we are. So it'll, it'll be uh, it'll be good to see. Um, so stay tuned, everybody. Uh, a little later in the year, though, probably around uh, the third quarter, we'll start to see some results from that. So looking forward to it. But as always, Seth, a good discussion, one that won't go away for us. I know that. Yeah, no, I'm sure we'll, we'll be having this one uh, on future podcasts. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, thanks as always to our producer, Andrea McMillan. And yes. Carolyn, thanks for bringing us the data. And I will chat with you next time. You will. I'm going to go get back into my uh, igloo outfit and um, <laughs> stop pretending it's warm. Get All right. Warm. Get warm. Have a good one, Seth. Bye bye. <laughs>